Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast presented by the lovely Queen Anne Beer Hall. RJ, I did have like a big German style pretzel the other day at, at a place in Hollywood. Nowhere close to Queen Anne Beer Hall. Nowhere close. Couldn't even finish it. Queen Anne Beer Hall, the best pretzels. You can't replicate it. I don't know. There, just it, it looks like it would be easy, right? It's a big German-style mm-hmm. pretzel with all that delicious salt on it. Like, it shouldn't be that hard, but no, it, it's not so easy to do as good as the beer hall does it. And we're both so far away now. Of course, both <laughs> yes. of us in Southern California as I'm down here. I'll see you in person later today. Uh, yeah, I do miss those pretzels, that's for sure. Yeah, so definitely looking forward to the next time I can get up there and get me one of those pretzels. Missed it on this last trip, and uh, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Um, all right, so this uh, last episode of July, it's 31st of, 31st of July here, RJ. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, an interesting topic as we transition from one off season to another. Huh? Because we all know, look, the Kraken's off season is basically wrapped up now, right? Like, there's nothing left to talk about when it comes to this offseason. So the next logical place to start looking ahead to to have content is next offseason. So we're actually going to be talking a little bit about that uh, in terms of who should the Kraken's one last big add to their core be? And so we're going to have lots and lots of discussion about that in a little bit uh, in the deep dive segment. But of course, first, need to start off with some news and notes. RJ, what do you have for us this week? Right. So for news and notes, uh, I want to talk about uh, Nadia Popovich. Uh, now, for those of you who may not remember from, you know, back in the Kraken's first season in this story, it was one of the best stories, I think, in all of sports. Yep. But uh, just quick rundown. She was the Kraken fan who was sitting behind the Canucks bench. Uh, she noticed a cancerous mole on the back of uh, the head of Canucks equipment manager, Red Hamilton, um, and ended up saving his life by, you know, flashing a message on her phone to him, letting him know that it was, in fact, cancer. He got it checked out um and it was one of the best stories i, I think in all sports uh, that season now nadia wonderful person and and we know that she's a fan of ech and um you know we met her at games and all that so um she is not done with just that of course i mean she has decided to donate her kidney uh to the person at the top of the kidney wait list and so she recently just went through with that surgery and um you know it's been a little bit of a difficult recovery i mean of course it's a pretty invasive surgery having your kidney taken out um but uh, i just wanted to wish her well in her recovery i got the chance to text her a little bit yesterday see how she's doing and um she says she'll be up and sprinting around in no time so love the optimism from her but it really is a wonderful thing that she's doing i figured we should cover that on the podcast of course nadia being a you know a big part of the kraken fandom and and someone that um I, you know i know a lot of us really admire and, and look up to for all the wonderful things that she's doing and will continue to do um and uh so she also has a fundraiser going for northwest kidney centers uh we'll put the link in the description on the youtube video for that if you want to donate um but just want to say you know hope you're recovering well nadia and uh you know you're doing wonderful things yep definitely wishing nadia well uh what an incredible selfless thing to do um really really awesome and then yeah i mean the the whole story with her from season one will forever hit close to home for me with my mom being a melanoma survivor and everything so yeah it's it's all fantastic stuff definitely wishing you uh, a speedy recovery nadia um and then that's it right (laughs) news and notes wise for for the news and notes yeah i mean look it's this time of the off season right i mean we're we're knocking on the door of august um you know as as far as news there's not i guess let's cover one more thing real quick this is kind of impromptu but ryan donato got married so congrats uh to mr mrs donato there were some other kraken players you know at the wedding there i think it was jared mccann yanni gord uh was maddie veneer somebody else was there too um but i know ryan donato now a member of the chicago blackhawks but Mm -hmm. uh you know we all remember him fondly as a kraken so uh you know wishing uh, wishing the Donato as well. Yep, definitely, definitely. And um, yeah, I mean, the other piece of news, I guess, would just be that I, I apparently have bangs now, for those of you watching the YouTube version. 
Oh yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're listening to the audio version, at some point, check out the YouTube version, check out those bangs from Dylan. (laughs) You got the very summer appropriate shirt there too. Well, look, I'm still trying to kick this infection. I need all the good vibes I can. So yes, I've been trying to channel Jimmy Buffett as much as humanly possible. All right. That's, that's (laughs) what I've been going for. I'm trying to do it. I got to break out the Margaritaville machine. Um, just, you know, just, just whatever it takes, you know what I mean? Get, get past this 10th tonsil infection in 15 months let's go oh. <laughs> let's go <laughs> it's terrible rj i hate it uh but it's okay you know why because like i i have some some stuff to talk about here okay rj here we go you ready for this you ready for this yes let's go like the evil parent or teacher in any kids movie rj i am here to tell everyone that dreams die and you've got to get over it all right now, also, like every kid in a kid's movie, I'm also here to tell you when one dream d- dies, a million more can take its place. Uh, and of course, I'm referring to the fact that this past week, RJ, Sebastian Ajo signed an eight-year extension with the Carolina Hurricanes, driving yet another dagger, another hockey dagger into my back. All right. And I know. And Go for it. I thought of you immediately when I saw the extension. I know you were really on the Sebastian Ajo to the Kraken train, given his contract was set to be up at the end of next season. Yep. I just want to say, Dylan, I'm, I'm sorry. It was really, really brutal. Uh, and for those of you who want a little context around this, this actually goes back to a Release the Fans episode we did with Gary. I believe it was our January edition this past year. Um, and Gary... Uh, wonderful guests that we had on uh, asked the question basically of like, you know, who, who out there would we want the crack and the baby ad? Um, what kind of big additions could they make in the you know upcoming uh, years and, and that kind of stuff where we see the crack in, you know, two, three, four years out. And Sebastian Ajo was something that actually was an idea that I had doing that segment on that podcast. And it just seemed to line up so well, the history with Ron Francis and everything. And I just, I really thought it could happen. I didn't think Carolina RJ I didn't think that they could pay somebody money and then they proved me wrong. So there you go. I know they, they did actually pay him money. Although I still do think that contract is a steal. It is nine, seven, five cap hit eight years. Get the no movement clause for him in there. Um, there's lots of weirdness with the base salary and the numbers bouncing all over the place there, RJ. I uh, don't know what they're doing accounting wise, but the bottom line is I don't think Sebastian Ajo will be leaving that team next off season. No, that's, that's, no, that's definitely the... not. I think we can scratch that one off the list for the Kraken as, as far as who their big ad could be. Yep. So this is where uh, the kid from the kids movie comes in because where one dream door closes, many more are now available and open to us. So RJ, let's talk about who the Kraken's next big ad for their course should be. And why don't you go ahead and give everybody a little bit of like filler or not filler, but really like a background, a base level where we can talk about what it is that we're talking about here. Right. So for some background on this, uh, and I've discussed this on some of the armchair GM chats for the patrons, uh, looking at the Kraken's longer term or I guess medium term, cap situation and looking forward to next off season uh things have become a little clearer of course now knowing what vince dunn's number is knowing what will borgen's number is as those two got extended this past off season but i re-ran the numbers again knowing what we know now to look at the kraken's outlook for next off season um and you kind of have to guess on a cap figure there's talks that the salary cap will be going up significantly next off season i and for this little armchair gm uh, you know on cap friendly simulation uh, i went with um, 88 and a half million as a, as a salary cap uh, with the cap going up by about 5 million which i think is pretty conservative yeah. i know dylan you'd probably say it should be higher but just wanted to get something in there where i wasn't overshooting the mark so i went with that um and the next bit of business to do, of course, is the Matty Beniers extension. And we don't know what that number is going to be. I went with somewhere kind of right in the middle of what people are saying uh, that I've heard anyway, which was 9 million AAV. Now, it might be a little bit more. It might be a little bit less, yeah. uh, depending on the type of deal. But I think that's kind of a good midpoint to go with. And we can always play with the numbers a little bit here. Yep. Um, I went ahead and re-signed Ellie Tolvanen at a 2.5 mil cap hit. It'll depend on what he does next season, of course, but he will be an RFA. So probably want to get that deal done. So again, you can kind of move one way or the other there. Um, I have guys like Riker Evans and Shane Wright up 
up on the NHL roster, which by next season, you'd certainly expect them to be ready yes. to go. Um, those Both of those guys better be there. Um, and then, you know, in, in net, Drieger's uh, contract is up. So I've got Grubauer and Decord as the goalie tandem, those two yep. under contract. So all of that kind of, I think, tracks and makes sense. And yep. I've got three scratches here ready to go. Now, with all of that, I'm left with a roster of 22 players. So it's a 23-man <laughs> roster. Yeah. So 22 players here and about $12 million in cap space to work with. So one roster spot, about $12 million to fill it. And that tells me the Kraken have room for one more big addition mm-hmm. where you can go up to you know pretty much one of the more expensive contracts in the league and you can go ahead and throw money uh, at any one player that you want. You could also do it differently you could bring in you know two players of the five million range kind of more like ron what ron francis has done in the past but i do think there is an opportunity to make one big ad and so that's kind of what i've been talking about as far as the kraken's longer term plans of how they're going to construct this roster Mm -hmm. and so today dylan you and i are going to look at who that ad might be we thought it sebastian aho would be a really good fit for it i still think he would have been if the if the extension hadn't happened but uh, he's not the only name out there no, he's definitely not. Uh, free agency, as we all know, this past year wasn't necessarily the greatest crop of players available. Uh, I think everybody can kind of get on board with that. But next year, there's a lot of interesting names that are going to be available and, and out there and potentially available to the Kraken. And that's not even counting also trades that can happen. You know, look, this doesn't even have to include next offseason, RJ. Some of the names that I'm going to talk about, some of the names I'm really excited about, are guys that you know the Kraken could potentially trade for at this year's deadline, but they have some term on their contract moving forward, and then things can work from there. So, um, lots of lots of big stuff to talk about. Though I think the first place we got to talk about RJ is just like where should we even be looking for this addition? What position are we looking for a forward? Are we should we be looking on the back end? It's a good question, and there are a number of ways you could go with it too. I, given the Kraken's current roster balance it doesn't lend to an obvious answer. If they were really D heavy already, you'd think, okay, we want to bring in a forward. If you're exceptionally forward heavy, you think, okay, you want to shore up the blue line. But I think the way the roster is currently constructed, it gives you both options. And we've talked about this, whether it's guys like Sebastian Ajo, who's a forward, who's a center, or even Jacob Chikrin, who I think we both kind of wanted to see the crack and make a little bit more of a run for uh, at last season's deadline. So I think either of them could work. I'm more inclined to think that it should be a forward personally, Mm -hmm. Uh, just that that's a roster construction preference. I kind of like to load up more on forwards and have a blue line. That's, um, you know, that's, that's good enough that that can get you there, but not one that necessarily has a ton of game breakers. The exception of that would be, of course, you, you never turn down a chance to get a true top five, you know, maybe top 10 blue liner in the NHL. Um, you know, if, if he's young on a, on a longer term deal, I'm talking about the Kale McCars, the Adam Foxes, the Miro Haskinens, you know, guys like that. If they're ever available, you can make a run at them. But I tend to prefer forwards personally. Yeah. So when I was looking at it, my first thought was forward, try to get another kind of elite scorer uh, to go with like a Jared McCann, just, you know, and, and, kind of lock that up try to try to fix the power play that way all that kind of stuff but then the more that I thought about it the more that I was remembering like this last postseason more that I thought about things I think I kind of settled on a defenseman but for now let's go ahead and talk forwards okay and then we can get into why I think defensemen later when we talk defensemen um I think that the number one place we got to start when you, when you look at like next off season, all that kind of stuff is the fact that Austin Matthews is going to be most likely based on everything that looks like walking towards UFA status next year as a 26 year old RJ who has ungodly numbers. All right. And I'm just going to say it right now. If he's there as a UFA Kraken offer him all 12 million, just do it. Yes, I would even go higher than that. I would find yeah. a way to, to trade one of these players off the roster. If he wants something in the 14 range, I would do it. I'd find a way to make it work cap-wise and looking at this cap situation. You could do that. There are players you could send yep. out uh, and clear up that money. If there is any way to get him on the roster, you you absolutely have to do it. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of disagreement there. No. I don't know how realistic it is. I, I still think he's probably most likely to re-sign in Toronto. I'm not looking yes. at him as a realistic possibility. But if there's any way to make it happen, you have to do it. 
Exactly. No, it, it had to be talked about. There, we talked about it. We're both on board. Whatever it takes, make it happen if it's there. Uh, now, what I think is that the next most interesting situation, at least on my end, RJ, and then we can get to the forwards you're maybe looking at, uh, is depending on what happens with Austin Matthews and depending on how much the cap jumps, all that kind of stuff, his teammate in Willie Nylander might be available next offseason. And that's no, I think that's that's yeah, a potentially more realistic, more realistic scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of when it comes to, to Nylander, RJ? I, I think he might be the best option here as far as a big ad. I think it's more likely that he gets to UFA, certainly than an Austin Matthews. And I think he mm -hmm. certainly could be the guy that headlines next year's UFA class. Uh, all reports are that he's, you know, that he wants to be paid, you know, yep. fair market value. He's going to have the chance to go to market. And I think the reason that he might be the best ad, first of all, I guess let's start with the on ice aspect i think he'd yeah. fit really well with the kraken with yep. what they do you know on the ice i mean you you watch him play and and you know he's able to kind of hound after pucks he's got a very very good shot mm -hmm. you know, can put up that elite level point production um that you're looking for and i think given the, how strong the kraken are at center i wouldn't necessarily mind that big ad being a winger like nylander too and that we've exactly. talked about position but you know center versus winger normally i kind of insist on a center being the big ad but when you have Maddie Beneers down the middle, when you have Shane Wright down the middle, and, and even Yanni Gord, who's you know getting a little bit older, but he still should be a really solid three C for you for a long time. Um, I, I think you can look at a winger, and I think that's probably an okay ad to make as long as they yep. are a true game breaker. And I think William Nylander absolutely does fit that model. But the reason, the, the number one reason, I think from a you know roster construction perspective that I think he might be the best option is that he is a pending UFA. If you can sign him without, even if it's a little bit extra money, even if it's a really expensive contract without any assets going out the door, that might be a better situation for you than if you were to trade for another player who maybe was on a little bit cheaper of a contract, but you'd have to send out some of your top prospects, potentially, you know, a Riker Evans, potentially first round picks going the other way. That's what these players tend to cost. All right, we're back. Uh, but yes, I, I agree with you, RJ, in the sense that like, UFA is kind of the way to do this if you can, just because you aren't losing any additional, you know, draft assets. You're not losing a prospect from your prospect pool or anything like that. Like if you have to do a trade. Um, so I do think that that is one of the, the things that is advantageous about Nylander. I agree with you on the positional side of things. The fact that he can be a winger, he can play with Shane Wright or Matty Beniers or whoever, and you can just kind of slot him in based on chemistry-wise where he best lines up with everyone. Uh, and the fact that he could play kind of both sides. And we've seen that from him in Toronto, I think is also valuable. Um, the one thing I'd like to have seen is maybe a little bit more power play production. This is the weird thing about all these Toronto guys, RJ, whether it's Mitch Marner, whether it's Nylander, whether it's Austin Matthews, is like none of them put up big power play numbers. Um, but the bottom line is you're scoring 40 goals and you only get nine of them on the power play. You're just pretty good at scoring goals then. He'd fit right in. <laughs> exactly. So uh, <laughs> he already knows how the Kraken want to play apparently. So that's all good. So I really like Nylander. I would, I would go for Nylander as well. I think he's the, he's like the big obvious one. That's probably the most realistic as far as making it to, to UFA. Um, and then I, I know I said we'd get to your guys uh, next, RJ, but I have one last guy I want to talk about. And I just think because okay. it kind of relates to Nylander in the sense that I would consider this maybe the, I mean, not that much more of a poor man's Nylander, but the other option would be Jake Gensel entering UFA next offseason. And I think he's someone who gets overshadowed uh, in Pittsburgh just because of the obvious big names that exist in Pittsburgh. But if, if Gensel, you know, if at that point Pittsburgh is looking like, okay, they're really over the hill, this isn't really going to happen anymore, I could see Gensel maybe wanting to go and, and join a competitive team. And again, we're talking about a winger who can kind of play both sides, f multiple time 40 goal scorer, can put up all the points, can play with elite talent, uh, and somebody who I think has proven at the AHL level or back in college that a lot of his production isn't just driven by playing with a Crosby or a Malkin. Like he is just himself legit that good. What do you think about a, a Jake Gensel, RJ? He would be a little older. He would be 29 mm -hmm. next off. Yeah, I, cer 
I wouldn't mind it. You'd have to watch the term on the contract, obviously. You know, at a seven-year deal, you're getting into some potential trouble there on the back end of it. I, I don't know what exactly he'd be looking for contract-wise, but I, I certainly wouldn't mind it because you don't have to send assets out. And that's some, a name I was looking at. I wasn't going to mention him just because I, I wasn't really sure that he'd even get there to free agency. Mm-hmm. I really do feel like the Penguins are loading up as much as they can. You know, who knows yes. if that'll work for them or not? But uh, it was a question I had for you here in my notes. Do you think Gensel will even get to UFA? And it sounds like you're thinking there might be at least a chance. Yeah, if, if this Pittsburgh season doesn't go, you know, according to their plan, I think they have to consider it. And I think that there would be a chance that they would, yeah, you know, maybe not be willing to pay him as much because they're going to have to start looking ahead towards a rebuild and all that. I, I think that there's, there is a chance. Yeah. An interesting one for potentially even a, a deadline acquisition. If the Penguins really stumble yeah, out of the really game, in trouble. Are, are you thinking maybe as a deadline acquisition as well? And then you're, you really try and hope and put the full court press on to, to resign him. I, I think that would be, fantastic i don't know that the penguin season will go that bad though you know what i mean like, uh, yeah i don't think it'll go that bad but yeah. if they really stumble out of the gate i'm yeah. just saying maybe yes um that's the way that they look for it and, and if dubas is kind of given the green light to be like okay let's mm-hmm. let's retool here this isn't working right now yeah yeah then you know because they could always make their pitch for him in the offseason too right you trade him as the, at the deadline and then try to bring him back in the offseason i could see pittsburgh trying to do something like that um but yeah that, that's just jake gensel i thought he was kind of the other guy sort of like nylander might be cheaper than nylander but bring close to the same level of production for you yeah i think he certainly could do that and, and again especially if he makes it to ufa he's someone certainly worth looking at and and those are really the two ufa options that i saw as far as forwards for this coming season right dylan i mean did you see anyone else kind of in that tier you know aside from you know matthews nylander and and um and gensel no i mean like there's guys like sam reinhardt who's going to be a free agent next year but i think florida will probably re-sign him at some point um shifley like i don't know he's going to go somewhere and get a big big long-term deal winnipeg's going to trade him so uh no those were the two big ones that i could see you know lindholm if you can get him out of calgary right like yeah i mean effective two-way center can be a 40 goal scorer can do all that stuff offensively can also be a shutdown defender for you but no for as far as forwards go i think nylander uh is probably like the guy on Lindholm, though, there's there's a bit of that history with Francis and Carolina. I mean, do you think there there could be anything there? I, there might be. You never know. You know, a lot of times those relationships do exist behind the scenes and we just don't get to see it. Or it's, you know, they're not allowed to really talk to each other. Right. Because Lindholm is under contract with a different team. He, yeah. Ron Francis isn't allowed to talk to him. But I got to think that there's still a relationship there. There's still some uh, friendly vibes and all that good stuff from the Carolina days. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's totally possible. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, the, the Hurricanes uh, connections always do find their way of coming up, even they with do. like a Brian Dumoulin this past yes. offseason, <laughs> all the way back, right? Exactly. Forgotten he was a hurricane. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what might come of that. Um, now, onto my players that I was thinking for mm-hmm. forwards. And um, I'm, I'll start with the one that I would most like to see. Now, I don't know if he'll be available, but there has been enough rumblings about it that I feel like I could mention his name. And that is Clayton Keller. Yeah. Um, it, the Arizona Coyotes, and you know, we we don't know exactly what their future holds. There's definitely no. some uncertainty from a team perspective. Uh, you know, there's uh the the messages from Clayton Keller's dad, who I guess got hacked. We've talked about Oh yeah, that. it was very yeah, definitely for uh, sure. definitely got hacked. Very con- I I certainly believe him. Yeah. Um, very convincing story. But anyway. Uh, Clayton Keller is still there. He's still in Arizona. And, uh, you know, there's still potential questions about his future with the team and given their timeline and everything. He is uh, 25 years old, just turned 25. Mm -hmm. So he's definitely in that age range that we're looking at uh, for a potential ad. And I just think he checks all the boxes. Yes, he will certainly cost major assets to acquire yeah. if he is moved. And I, that is the biggest downside. But I think if there's anybody that you're going to throw big assets like that at, Clayton Keller is, is near the ideal scenario. Um, he has the production. I mean, you look on the, on ice, you know, mm-hmm. over a point per game player this season, and especially after the injury, you know, that he suffered last year, just really impressive comeback yep. and everything for him to be able to do that. Um, 
but I mean, the, the consistent production is there, you know, these, these last two yep. years, he's definitely a clear you know, 35 plus goal scorer, And that's on a bad team too. I'd love to see what he could do on a better team. I think exactly. there are a lot of people that would like to see what he could do with some better players around him. Um, I have no questions about him fitting in perfectly with the Kraken and, and just, you know, put him on a line with any of your great centers that you have. And we've seen with the Coyotes, even with you know, teammates around him that no, no one else is really a lead around him. He can produce. So I have no worries about that, but the biggest plus to me, and this is always the thing I look at is the contract yep. situation. He has another five years left on his contract at 7.15 million. And for the player that he is, that is an absolute steal. Totally. An absolute steal of a contract, and especially as the cap goes up. That's going to look even more amazing than it yep. does now. I, I just, just a fantastic contract if you can acquire that. I, I feel the same way about this contract that I did about the Chikrin deal when mm -hmm. we were looking at that last season. We're like, there's term on it at, at a number yeah. that's really, really good for the player. Yep. And in a salary cap league, it's hard to put a value on that. It's hard to understate the value of a contract like that. So if he was available, I'd want Ron Francis to be right in there trying to make a deal. That would be my ideal forward scenario via trade. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this. I've been a big fan of Clayton Keller for a long time. And, you know, it's it's interesting because after the Chikrin trade, RJ... Do you really think Arizona's asking price would be that high? Because I was throwing together a package that I thought was reasonable to expect for Chikrin, and then the actual package they got made mine look like the grossest overpay of all time. Do you think that, you know, if Keller does kind of want out of there, Arizona would go, well, look, our rebuild window is kind of smaller. We'll build around Logan Cooley, and, you know, we'll we'll just ship Keller out of here. We don't want the toxicity of that situation, and, you know, will move him for relatively less. Yeah, before the Chikrin deal, I would have really doubted you on that. But looking at the, the meager return that Bill Armstrong was able to get for, for that, now I really have to question it. So yeah, he might even cost less than you might think. I still think the market for, you know, if it was an off-season trade or something for a Clayton Keller would probably really should be bigger yeah. than, than for Chikrin, but uh, you never know. Uh, and certainly in a situation like that where you have a, a player, I mean, this is what I love about, I grew up with the Doug Wilson school of big game hunting, right? Mm -hmm. You got to be patient. Uh, you, by the way, Doug Wilson, the San Jose Sharks GM for a long time, and he made yeah. some really big uh, deals to, to bring in some big players because they didn't always have high draft picks that kept winning. And he was able to refresh the roster that way. But be patient, let it come to you and, yep. and take advantage of low prices for distressed asset. And if you do have a situation where Keller really does want out and that is publicly known, that could fall into a situation like that. Exactly. So um, I would be all for it. I think, you know, whatever it is, Ron Francis would kind of have to give up. I'd say give up. Like Clayton Keller's worth it, especially on that contract. I really like that one, RJ. That's, that is definitely exciting for sure. Yeah. Now looking at other names here, there was one name that I uh, was not really thinking about too much until it came up today with an arbitration hearing, actually. And we'll see if they get a long-term deal done or, or what happens with that. <laughs> but uh, his name is Troy Terry yeah. of the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, did you see the arbitration numbers here, Dylan, uh, yeah. submitted by the player in the team? Yeah, I did. A uh, little bit of a gap between them. I'd say so. I think player coming in about four mil, uh, four, sorry, team coming in about four or something million T uh, player coming in at about 8 million, uh, is what it looked like. And I mean, Troy Terry, you know, really good scoring winger, you know, we're, we're fans of his, yep. we, we like his shot. Certainly. I mean, just elite level shot. One of the few guys can hang with the Jared McCann, uh, yep. when you talk about just pure shooting talent right there. And, um, yeah, so he's got this, arbitration case with the ducks they're kind of far apart i think he and the ducks will probably get some kind of long-term deal I done do if you're anaheim if you're pat for you really should do that but it's a situation i think you want to monitor just mm -hmm. in case they can't i wouldn't have any problem with paying troy terry no i i wouldn't either i he he's not necessarily like the same level of game breaker that a clayton keller is he doesn't necessarily have the same level of playmaking but that shot's gonna play 
it's going to play for mm-hmm. a long time too. Like that's one of those things that ages well uh, is the ability to shoot the puck like that. And so, yeah, I think Troy Terry, he would certainly be somebody who could help out the Kraken's power play. You stick him on a line with a playmaker, uh, with a Matty Beneers or a Shane Wright even, and I think you, you would definitely have something special. And let's be honest, I don't think Troy Terry – also, you know, playing on a bad team, just like Clayton Keller, the numbers kind of reflect that too. You got to think that he would get at least like a 10 point bump going from an Ana- a bad Anaheim team over to a, a more solid Seattle Kraken team. So I, I really think that there's a chance that um, you could kind of sneak in there and get something done with him before he then has kind of that next level explosion points wise. Uh, and, and maybe then would be worth a little bit more. You can maybe try to sneak in a contract before that. Right. And that's what I'm looking at the age. I'm kind of looking in that 25, you know, ish age range, maybe for some of these guys who are still RFAs where maybe there's another level you can hit. And you look at Terry too, and the ducks basically over the last few years, there hasn't been a whole lot of talent. Yes. You've got Trevor Zegers you can play with, but that ducks team, you know, really wanting for talent, especially before those guys arrived. And um, I I think you could maybe get another level out of him. If you, you stick him with a guy like Matty Beniers, you know, we've seen him be able to set up, you know, Jared McCann to use that elite shot, you know, imagine Troy Terry on the other side of it. Once uh, Jordan Everly's contract is up. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think Troy Terry is one to keep, you know, that whole situation is one worth keeping an eye on just because of like how far apart they are and what's, what's the situation going to happen there again, it's Anaheim. So I feel like the, everything leading up to this point had kind of fallen under the radar amongst national circles or international circles. Um, I keep forgetting Canada is a different country, RJ. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it is an interesting one. And, um, you know, maybe this won't be the last time we talk about Anaheim, RJ. Right. This and then that's the thing I know with them being, yeah, in the division that, you know, maybe there's some other guys there. I'm, I'm interested who else you have from Anaheim. Uh, hmm. All right. All right. All right. I, I don't want to wait any longer. So those are the forwards that I have. I mean, any other names? Last call for, for forward names for a big ad. I kind of look two years ahead free agent market wise to see, okay, well, yeah. who would be in that situation where, Next offseason, they have one year left on the deal. They've got to make a decision there. You've got names like Leon Dreisaitl and Miko Ronson. I can't imagine those guys don't get extended. Certainly, you know, they're going to hold them to the wire. They're not going to trade them next offseason, I think. And and even, you know, maybe a a Mitch Marner, depending on how things go in Toronto with with Matthews and Nylander and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Marner would be a longer range name to look at. I still think they're not going to panic necessarily and move him out um but marner's the only other name i see on this list that that could potentially make any sense i mean Sidney crosby dylan <laughs> it's always a chance you know if pittsburgh does want to finally blow things up i do think that there's a chance that for the last year or two of his career Sidney crosby will wear a different sweater um but uh yeah no i don't know uh, certainly mean, not counting on it no i wouldn't i wouldn't hold my breath for it either um you know, there's there's certain situations like, you know, you look at a Nashville and they've made a lot of changes this offseason. I still think at some point they're going to have to do a, a, a big rebuild. Uh, and you look at an, at somebody like a Philip Forsberg, who we talked about last offseason. And, you know, does he fit into their long term uh, kind of situation for, for some sort of rebuild uh, in the Barry Trotz general manager era? RJ and you know another year from now when they're gonna have you know Jochen Kamel come up and score a million goals and he can kind of be that guy on a cheap ELC and they can build around him um you know does does seven years at eight and a half for a 29 year old Philip Forsberg look terrible RJ not terrible but I don't think it looks particularly good if you go back to those free agent conversations that we were having last off season I wasn't too excited about the idea of, of going for a big name like a Philip Forsberg and especially now that you've burned the first year which should be one of the best yes. on that deal it's only going to get worse from this point on and, and again just for a player that hasn't played 70 games since 2017 in a season I, I just I don't know. I, I don't like it personally, but you know, maybe it's something to look at and Hey, the, the Preds have shown they're willing to eat salary for long amounts of time. Yes. I don't know. Maybe they would. There's, there's a chance there. All right. So transitioning over to defense RJ, because what I was thinking was, you know, like I said, originally, right. Uh, a, another goal scorer, someone who can help out on the power play. Like these are the things that I first thought of when it was like, this is what the crack it need. But then I was like, look, 
we're already struggling to really kind of figure out where everybody can be, right? Like, for crying out loud, when we're doing our lineups, if Shane Wright looks good through training camp and needs to come up, all of a sudden you put in a position where you're going to have to be benching potentially uh, Ellie Tolvanen, right? Like, like there's just way too many forwards in this Kraken group. And I think that given the, the way the Kraken play, I think they lean into that depth and that ability, and I think they're going to have that depth for – uh, at least another two or three years. I think that depth's going to hang around before um, things kind of change and they become more of a traditional team as far as how things are worked out cap-wise and everything. And then I also was at the same time thinking about like some of the playoff games that I remember watching with the Kraken and where were their struggles? There was certainly games like the Game 7 they were eliminated where, you know, hey, if you had been able to score a goal or two earlier that game's completely different and maybe, you know, you're playing into the Western Conference Finals. But I also felt like there was a lot of times throughout the regular season and especially in the playoffs where if play got bogged down in the Kraken zone zone, it a, a goal against was starting to become inevitable. And there was no ability for the Kraken to kind of quickly get out of that situation, uh, the way for the Kraken just to move the puck up and out. Um, the forwards were having to come back and help out some of those D pairs a lot. Like a lot, a lot. We're seeing Kraken, you know, forwards really play in net front and stuff. And so as I was thinking back to those moments and things, I just thought, you know what? I think another veteran blue liner wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the Kraken. And I think that that could be a place to 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 have somebody come in and, and be another stable top four presence who can choose some playoff minutes and, and really help out in those situations. Because I think that might be where the Kraken truly struggle with in the postseason moving forward. And so there's some interesting names out there. I'm going to save the best one for last, RJ. Okay. Ooh, okay. Just to keep everybody listening because that's what podcasts do. Uh, <laughs> so what I've been told anyway, I've been reading books about it. Uh, no. Um, so I, I'm actually going to start off with some interesting ones because when it comes to looking at the free agent crop for next year, RJ, there's not really a lot of defensemen. I mean, the, the highest one on the cap-friendly list because it's based off of previous cap hits is Brent Seabrook. Um, that's not happening. <laughs> Gotta go get him. Gotta De go get Definitely. Followed by Rasmus Dahlin, who will be an RFA, and there's no way Buffalo's letting him go. So then, then you start looking at Tyler Myers. Ew. Uh, Jake, <laughs> Jake Muzzin, who will be 35. No, thank you. Uh, it, it goes on from there, but the bottom line is there's not really a lot of guys that are going to be coming up uh, as as free agents next go around. There's really only one, and we're going to start off with this team because it's actually one of the few teams that I think could be realistic to, to either trade for or maybe you end up with this player that we'll start off talking about. And it's within division, and that's the Calgary Flames. Now, Calgary is, you know, they're going through something uh they're a rebrand we'll call it uh within their front office and their coaching situation and everything and the one guy who's going to be a, an unrestricted free agent next year is noah hannafin and he'll be 27 years old so it'll be the first year of eligibility for an unrestricted free agent he's a player originally drafted by carolina although i think that was post was that post ron Fr no it was ron francis so no, there you go yeah so yep. you have the ron francis connection there um and he's a player who kind of had a slow start to his career, but has really blossomed into a, a solid top four defenseman, somebody who is capable of chewing up some big minutes when you need him to and, and producing and, and holding his own in the defensive zone. And so RJ, Noah Hannafin next year, you know, if Calgary's kind of still going through their retool, not really sure what they're doing, I could see him wanting to test that free agent market, especially with not a lot of other defensemen on the on the market. He'd be in line for a big payday. The Kraken would have to pay to keep up with everybody else, but I think Noah Hannafin would be a really good option. He's certainly a player I could see leaving. I, I definitely buy your premise. I mean, with Calgary, it seems like everybody either wants out or, or is going to want out. Um, so that makes sense to me. And he's someone that's even been in trade discussions this offseason yeah. uh, for teams that you know that might be looking to acquire a defenseman. And look, I like Noah Hannafin. I mean, he's a Kraken killer. I mean, he that's, seems to yes. always put up a point or two in every game against Seattle. So they've certainly seen what he's capable of. And, and I do think he's a really solid, uh, you know, it, Top top four defenseman, maybe low end first pairing defenseman. I mean, Dylan, what what would you say? Kind of how would you 
you know, put him in there as far as where what his level is at, really. I mean, where yeah. would he fit in? I, for me, he's always been like a top four guy. I think you've always been a little higher on him than I have when we've talked about him. Um, but I'm starting to come around to him because I really have seen the defensive growth from him these last couple seasons, which isn't unusual to see that, you know, five, six years into a defenseman's career, they start figuring that aspect out. Um, and, and Calgary has, you know, transitioned him more into a guy where, they, you know, he's starting half the time offensive, half the time defensive and stuff. So um, I, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think he, is, he does have like that kind of low end top pairing uh, potential. Okay, fair enough. Because I, I have been a little higher on him than you, I think, o- over the years. And um, But that said, even though I, I like him, I like the player that he is, I just I don't like him as a fit for this one big ad that you can make. So when we talk about the type of big ad we want the Kraken to make, I just don't know that he fits this strategy. It, it could work bringing in him and then another you know $5 million player. But what worries me is that he's going to be a UFA. He might be the best UFA defenseman on the market at that point for that year. And as we know, those contracts can tend to get really high when a player has maximum leverage like that. So I might come at him with a reasonable deal and, you know, kind of take it or leave it situation. And I wouldn't mind if he took it. But uh, I just I worry that that number would be too high. All right. So I agree with you on I think the number is probably going to be too high for Hannafin and what he is. Uh, so I agree with you there. He's just the place to start. Um Nikita Zadorov also, though, going to be a UFA, probably not going to have the same level of market. Uh, maybe correct the mistake from the expansion draft, RJ. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know that. Again, I don't think he fits in terms of a big ad, but uh, he could be a, a good piece for one of the if you go with the smaller ad strategy. Yeah. Uh, the other team that I was looking at that I thought could be interesting, and this would involve a trade for a defenseman, is the St. Oh, Louis Blues, go. RJ. So we all know their situation from this past year. It did not go according to plan. They kind of did a really quick, like, tear down of the pieces that they could, get rid of all the rentals that they had on. They were able to get three first-round picks. Everything looked good for them there. If things continue to struggle for them next year, which, to be honest, looking at their roster, the division they're in, I could see definitely happening. I could see them maybe start thinking, okay, we are just looking at a longer-term rebuild here. And I could see them maybe wanting to flip one of Justin Falk, Tori Krug, or Colton Perienko while they still have value. Would you be interested in one of those three guys from St. Louis? They're all under contract at six and a half million RJ. They're all around 30. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the age and you know that's going to be the sticking point for me, right? I could see yep, it in your yep. face already. You know that that I'm gonna say that, and and that's just what the problem is: is age combined with term. I mean, you, you've got Falk's contract taking him to 35. You've got Krug's taking him to 36. Uh, Pareko also going to 35, but it's a, it's longer term out from now. I I just worry about, and I I, I don't know that that's something the Kraken want to get involved in. The numbers look good. I mean, the, the six and a half mil cap hit for all of those Very guys. Reasonable. It is very reasonable, and and so maybe you could have that. Maybe that's kind of the Hannafin alternative that mm-hmm. you're looking at. Maybe somebody who's a little bit older, but the contract's going to look similar and maybe could be cheap to acquire. Uh, so I'd consider it as that, but it's not really the big ad that I'm I'm thinking if you're going to do something like this. I think that's, again, in the kind of smaller ad strategy. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from as far as, like, it's not, a big splashy ad, although I think it would be potentially a more impactful ad if you do miss out on like a, a Willie Nylander kind of player. Um, I just think, you know, one of the aspects of it is like, I like the idea that there's, you know, only four years or if you wait until next off season to do it, there's only three years left on say Falk or Tory Krug's contract, which would kind of complete the Kraken's first competitive window. And then that's about the time you'd be looking at a retool anyway, and that contract's coming off the books. And so I do think that that is something to keep in mind when looking at one of these. And that, and the fact that like Justin Falk's game, it's going to age fine. Tory Krug's game. Mm-hmm. Well, gonna, I love these three. Who gonna, would you want? That's, that's the question. Well, I might want Perienko the most. I think he's the least likely to be moved. 
Uh, but I, I think he's probably the best option. I mean, you're talking about a 6'6", 230 defenseman, kind of do it all, play both ways, all that good stuff. He's got the most term, youngest guy. But I do think that Justin Falk, I think, would be the next guy for me because Tori Krug, I worry that his shoulders will one day explode from taking so many slap shots, and he's just not going to have it anymore. But I think Justin Falk, the smarts in which he plays, the way he handles things in the offensive zone, I think that that contract would age the best. Falk probably is that happy medium. I like Pareko's game the most, and certainly in the past I have. I mean, I for a while I thought he was the better defenseman than Alex Petrangelo, and he was super yep. underrated. The, the one thing I worry with him, though, is the history of injuries, because yep. of back injury stuff, too. I, I worry, you know, with potentially four years on that contract, if you are getting it next offseason, that, that maybe the back falls apart and, and you have some issues there. But I do love his game. So if he holds up okay, I think it, it could be a really good add. Um, but yeah, that, that might be a place to look as St. Louis. I do think they are going to try and move one of those guys. Yeah, because look, at the end of the day, I know you know some of these names aren't sexy and this last name probably might not be sexy to everybody else, but it certainly is to me. I just think that it's one of those... I know, I know. This week of all weeks too, right? Uh, no, this is <laughs> this is one of those situations where... We talked about they're going to have the 12 million. I don't think they have to spend all 12 million at once on one player. And the bottom line is there's only one roster spot. So we are looking at one ad, not just from a cap standpoint, but also just from a literal like lockers open in the room standpoint. Right. And so that's where I, I'm kind of coming around for, for some of those names. Now, this last one, I think, would be a pretty impactful player, RJ. This is where we return to Anaheim. Lots been talked about with Anaheim, John Gibson potentially wanting out, uh, wanting to go to a competitive team while he might still have something left in the tank. I think that's a very reasonable thing for him to ask. Sounds like I think even Anaheim understands that and is going to be willing to work with him. I wonder if the same situation starts to develop around Cam Fowler, RJ. He's 31 years old. He's played his whole career in Anaheim. He's got three years left on his contract starting this upcoming season. And I look at him. I look at where the Anaheim Ducks roster is. By the time the Ducks are going to be competitive again, he'll have, what, one year left and he's going to be in his mid-30s? Why would he Why would he continue to stay there and play 38 minutes some nights uh, for this terrible Ducks team? I got to think he'd be willing to modify his no-trade clause and potentially accept a trade to a, a playoff team come the deadline this year. Uh, the trade deadline this upcoming season. And I think Cam Fowler could be exactly what the Kraken need, RJ, because he can... Oh, go for it. First reaction, go for it. Uh, well, I was thinking he's like these blues ads we were just talking about, but a whole lot better. Yes. And, and uh, that's why I think it's exactly a much better fit. You've got less term on the deal. He is slightly younger. I think his game's at a higher level right now. Mm -hmm. And again, given the puck moving and everything that he does, uh, you know, we're both fans of his game. And yep. I think he would fit in really well with what the crack can do. Uh, you know, you can have Vince Dunn on one pair and Cam Fowler on another. And you just have your really good puck moving offensive defenseman that you can throw out there in waves. I, I really do like that idea. Yeah, and so that's why I saved best for last, Cam Fowler. He's kind of replaced Sebastian Ajo, in my mind, as the guy I really want to see wearing a Kraken sweater. As hard as it is to imagine him wearing a Kraken sweater, might I add. It's, <laughs> it's very, I'm struggling a lot with it, actually. But the bottom line is, Cam Fowler's a guy, I mean, he put up 48 points from the blue line this past season on the, an atrocious Anaheim team absolutely atrocious he he manages to get things done he's effective on the power play I think he would help quarterback the power play in a big way for the Kraken he can munch minutes like nobody else uh in the league again I mean there was nights where he was playing 38 minutes for the Anaheim Ducks this past season insane um that that they would have him do that but I just think he's he's the kind of high level player you stick him in. He's been a top pairing guy for a long time. You stick him in on a second pairing, and I think he just looks fantastic. I think the contract works really well. Three years left at six and a half. You know, um, you get him at the deadline, so it's really like two and a half years, and that six and a half number is totally absorbable for the Kraken. And I just think he would really help stabilize the top four, that second pairing for the Kraken. You're not going to see him diving below the goal line when his defensive partner is already below the goal line the way we saw kind of all too often for the Kraken this last postseason. I think a lot of those situations are, are kind of figured out. And the bottom line is he knows how to move the puck. You know, he gets the puck net front. He knows exactly how to, how to handle it so that the situation is resolved and the play is moved out of 
his own team's zone. And I think that's something the Kraken, you know, really need to work on as a defensive unit. And so Cam Fowler, to me, change of scenery, I think would also probably be good for him. It wouldn't surprise me if you see an uptick in production from him, uh, given he would be on a competitive team in a slightly different role. So I just think Cam Fowler is the guy, I think, if you know the Kraken don't want to take a big swing or you miss out on a Willie Nylander or you're just looking at, at the situation, maybe there's an injury along the blue line come trade deadline time. I think Cam Fowler is the is the place to be looking. All right. Now, I was interested to see who you were going with from the Ducks. Uh, you did not disappoint. Uh, I do think that is a good suggestion. Now, as far as defensemen that I was looking at, and I, I really didn't find one where I felt like, okay, this is a great fit. This is a great ad. This is what they should be going with. Uh, the way that I felt about some of these forwards. So uh, it's hard for me to really make a strong case for some of these guys, but I I do have some players I wanted to ask you about. Um, and the first one, I, I figure you should, if anyone, you should make the case for this guy because he's an upcoming UFA uh, next season. And he's someone you didn't mention on the UFA list. Uh, and that is Brandon Montour. Now that may be because yeah. you thought they'll just, the Panthers will resign him. He won't get there, but I wanted to at least ask you about him. Cause I know you are a huge fan of his game. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of what it's become now, uh, I guess. Um, I do. I got to think Florida is going to re-sign him though, right? Like how, how could they not after the season that he had? Maybe, you know, maybe they're waiting to see if it's repeatable. Um, but if, if I'm Florida, that's one of my biggest things for this off season is re-signing him. Um, or even next off season, you re-sign him when the cap goes up, that might be something that they're waiting for. You know, what reason why we haven't seen an extension this year. Um, because, you know, look, they'll have Sam Reinhart coming off the books next offseason. They have a lot of other guys. The money they're, they're, the money will go to him, right? Like, it's not going to go to anybody else. It's going to go to him. Uh, the only thing would be, you know, maybe they don't if, he won't, if he's dead set on a long-term deal at the age of 30 and Florida doesn't want to do that. Maybe he could enter free agency, but then guess what? He's probably going to be dead set on a long-term deal in free agency. And do we want to sign him to a seven year contract? Probably not at the age of 30, probably not. Right. Yeah. And that's the danger when you have a player like that, kind of at that stage, his career going back into free agency again. Interesting to think this is kind of where Vince Dunn's going to be in four years, I feel like, yeah. um, you know, maybe coming off a, a point per game type season and uh, and potentially wanting a long term deal at that age. And it, maybe it's something you want to shy away from. Uh, one more guy who will also be 30 and also be a UFA uh, next season if he gets that far uh, is Devon Tapes from Colorado. Mm -hmm. And they have cap issues of their own. They might not be able to afford to pay everybody, especially on their blue line. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of him? I really like him. I think that would be a really interesting one. Again, a guy capable of collecting the puck in the defensive zone and then making a play with it so that it's no longer in the defensive zone. Like, it sounds simple, but t trust me, it's a lot harder than it sounds like at the NHL level. That's why so many guys struggle with it. Um, I really like him. I just think, I got to think again, entering next offseason with how few defensemen are going to be on this market, he's going to have the ability to ask for a lot when it comes to term and money. And I think, again, the term is the thing that scares me. That's why I was looking more at guys you could trade for it. Certainly a Cam Fowler with that three years worth of term or a Justin Falk with just a couple years of term, because the difference in that is going to be massive for when the Kraken do need to retool after their first window closes. And, you know, a lot of the guys on the roster maybe then are no longer on the roster, something like that, right? You're starting to look at what that next phase is going to be post, say, an Andre Burakovsky or whatever. Um, I, I just don't think you're going to want a 35-year-old Devon Taves with many years left on his contract to still be part of that equation. Doesn't... Yeah, and I think he should ask for a lot of term and money too because he hadn't – you look at his he contract hasn't been paid he's coming yet. off of. Yeah. No, he hasn't been paid yet. He was coming off you know, basically his rookie deal and then and then a low-paying one after that and then another one that you know, $4.1 million, absolute steal for what he's been able to provide for Colorado. I think that's his real chance to get paid, and um, he deserves it, but I, I don't know that you want the Kraken to be the team that really shells out all that money for him. Exactly. So, yeah, that's why, that's why I think – for the defenseman, I, it's probably going to have to come through trade. I just don't think next next year's offseason is going to be the place to try to find it um, out there on the UFA market. I just 
UFA defensemen, they just they get big money deals. I think you end up overspending. I think it's worth I think it's worth saving the money there and trading away the asset in the way we were saying it doesn't make sense to do for like a Willie Nylander. I think when it comes to these defensemen, there are there are places where you can find a veteran on a bad team and and go ahead and make a deal for him, all a Cam Fowler and uh and make things work out for you and so that's that's why i think it's it's kind of interesting how the two situations lend to two different ways of thinking as far as how you can acquire these guys right and it's not something that i really thought about before going into this and researching it but uh you know you come out with these takeaways of okay this might be how you want to approach this situation if you're going for a forward versus if you're going for a d and especially with you know my personal philosophy of you only want to bring in a d like this if he's a real difference maker, game changer type of guy. And just looking at these players, I think there's only maybe 10 players that I would put in that category that I really would, you know, shell out, whether it's top trade assets or top money for uh, to have be that big ad personally. And I just don't see those guys just don't tend to become available. Kale McCarr is not going to be available. Adam Fox is not going to be available. Miro Haskins is not going to be available. Uh, You know, the closest one I could see potentially is, you know, maybe a Josh Morrissey, um, you know, potentially being, depending on how big the jets blow up retool goes yes. and it hasn't really gotten that big yet. So, um, you know, he, he's the only name where I could see potentially hitting the market. Um, aside from, of course, you know, you go to the top of the points list and it's Eric Carlson. And mm-hmm. I was you know, going to try and avoid saying his name on this episode, but I, I feel like I'd be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't just given that his name is yeah. really already out there in trade rumors yeah. and it's confirmed the crack and have talked to him about these things. And I I've made my position known if you follow us on Twitter, yes. if you've you know seen me talk about it anywhere. So I won't really get into it in depth. I just don't think there's a deal that could work for the Kraken and that the sharks would also be willing to do. That I just seems... don't think there's a, um, a medium point there. I don't think he's also a, a good fit on the ice stylistically for the team, but I won't get into the details of all of that. You know, if you're curious, you can see my tweets about it. You can, you know, see posts on the discord, all that stuff. I've talked about it, but um, I mean, anything more to say on Eric Carlson, Dylan? No, other than, you know, the Kraken were talked about in relation to him and now they're no longer being talked about in relation to baby trading for him, which I think tells us all that we need to know. I still think San Jose is the holdup in all this and in that they just refuse to retain as much of that salary as they're going to have to uh, if they want any sort of return for him. Um, But interesting, RJ, how you start off talking about the Doug Wilson big game hunting, uh, go out there and try to trade for a depreciated top asset and then bring him in and everything. And then, you know, Eric Carlson was kind of the last guy Doug Wilson did that with with the Sharks. He was, and it was the first time that it really failed. Uh, yeah. And um, it shows the, ri- the risk side of the risk reward of trading for a guy like that. Um, y- you have to know that they can be the difference maker that you're hoping that they will be. Um, with injury issues, you have yeah. to be really careful uh, when you acquire someone, and, and especially you know with, with age being a part of that as well. So um, do be careful on it. And that's another reason maybe why I'm afraid of bringing in a big-name defenseman rather than a forward because it, you know, it. it worked out for Joe Thornton just fine. It, you know, it worked out, you know, for Vegas, for Jack Eichel, just fine. Um, so I, I think with a true top center, I, I just, I really don't have any concerns because that just right. seems to always work out versus defensemen. It can get a little bit more iffy. Right. Which is again, why, you know, the combination of those top guys not being available and really what the Kraken need is, is just more, I, I would say consistent depth on the blue line. I mean, I'm I am really worried about the Kraken blue line. I'm not gonna lie, everybody. Um, and and that's why I was looking in that kind of more mid range defenseman that you can bring in and 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 hopefully just sure it up a little bit. Um, and then you can kind of play Larson done. You know, thirty thirty minutes a night in the postseason, play that second pairing, and then maybe you know figure figure things out from there. Um, but I want to I want to hear everybody else's suggestions, right? Like hit us up on Discord um, on x i guess oh, no no dylan hit us up on twitter yes uh i, is, I know it's up on twitter uh the discord obviously i mean that's been popping off all off season it really does seem like a lot of people have been transitioning over the discord from everything and you know what uh, great it's perfect because i think discord really lends itself um to the conversations that we all want to have as sports fans really really well so definitely check out the the discord link in the description below if you're on if you're watching on youtube and, uh, and then, of course, leave YouTube comments uh, talking about all this stuff. And then just know 
starting next week will be in August, which is way too early territory. Joshua, I've seen all the comments about the over-unders. You want, you want to know how everybody did last year and then the over-unders for next year. We will be doing that in August. That's the time for it, all the way too early fun stuff. So that is all coming starting next week on the Deep Dive. We're also rapidly approaching episode 100, and RJ and I have to talk about what that's going to mean. Uh, I think RJ's internet dropped again, so I'm just going to kind of close out this podcast here. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so yes, that's that. all that fun stuff is going to be coming up in the month ahead on the Deep Dive. Just because it's August and a slow month for hockey doesn't mean it's a slow month for us here at Emerald City Hockey. And uh, another sh- one final shout-out to Queen Anne Beer Hall and their amazing pretzels. RJ, you're back. Do you have any parting words? As you stretch anything, can you hear me? I don't think he can hear me. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of The Deep Dive, everybody. We'll see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout-out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Anonymous, Ben, Brad, Burnt Creme, Kaylin, Chris, Cody, Connor, Coop, Daryl, Denise, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Elizabeth, Evan, Habak, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Jay, Jane, Jeremy, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Katie, Keegan, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Light, Lonnie, Mark, Maya, Michael, Michelle, Noah, Nori, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, C.A. Kraken, Sean B., Sean O., Sergey, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Pasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Wendy, Strike and Zane. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.